Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. I love every social plat, almost every social platform for a different reason. Um, for a long time, like, I just didn't touch Facebook. I don't know if anybody touches Facebook in here. Recently got back into Facebook because Facebook has a lot of groups. Like, if you're into anything, anything in the world, there's a group for it on Facebook, and you will find the most niche information on anything you can think of on Facebook. I'm talking about you go go down the rabbit hole. Like if you like keyboards and you're into like making custom keyboards, you can find a group and they're going to tell you what switches to use and keycaps. It's really weird. You're like, all this is about keyboards? Yes. So I like Facebook for that. I like my Instagram for like, you know, posts and keeping up with people's lives. I like that. It's a good source of memes. Get those in my inbox all the time. TikTok is just an endless hole of video after video of just funny stuff. All right. It is amazing for that. One of my favorites, though, one of my favorite social platforms was Twitter for a long time. And I don't have Twitter anymore. Actually, I haven't had Twitter in years. But I'm constantly using Twitter um, for a very specific reason. The other night, I was watching the Lakers and the Warriors. Go Lakers. Warriors game. And they were duking it out. And the game was only available on ESPN. And I didn't have a subscription to ESPN or any, like, TV, live TV platform, but it was on the app um, that's connected to like my Hulu and my Disney Plus, and I was able to watch the game through ESPN3. Now, the thing about ESPN3 is it's that the reject platform of ESPN, and so the game had no commentators, it had no music, and the only shots was the above the backboard camera. So like on the, this side of the court, like you would get the above the backboard and then eventually it would transition to the other side. That's the only camera angles it gave and it was no commentators and I honestly kind of liked it. Like I felt like I was in the game. Like I felt like I was there and I was like, oh, 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 this is good, this is good. The downside is that when something amazing happens and you miss it, there's no replay. Like, absolutely no replay. And so Austin Reeves on the Lakers hit this amazing half-court shot right at the buzzer going into halftime. I mean, dude nailed it from half-court. And I was like, oh, on the couch. I was like, no way. And the kid's like, what? What happened? I missed it. And I was like, he hit a half-court shot. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, look at the replay. <laughs> oh, and I was like waiting for the replay. There's no replay. And so I was like, you know what? This is where Twitter comes in. I love Twitter. I, I Googled just Lakers Twitter, and it's like everything recent on the Twitter feed pops up in the Google results, and someone already posted Austin Reeves half court shots. So I was like, babe, look, it's really grainy. I think someone filled this with a potato, but look, look, look. And like I pulled it up, and she's like, whoa, amazing. I was like, I know, I love Twitter. And I love Twitter, and recently uh, Twitter kind of came under fire uh, in recent years, uh, and there's, there's this whole debate about censorship and free speech and the First Amendment and Elon Musk came in and it was like, yo, I got money. I'm going to solve this problem. 
with money. And he bought Twitter. And it's like, Twitter is free. It's for freedom and America. And I was like, that's cool, man. And, uh, and so you could basically, it's just a crazy landscape where you can just say anything to anyone. And I'm all about the First Amendment. Like, I think people have the right to free speech. I love that we can even have this conversation in this country because there's some countries where you can't. I would be assassinated for just talking about free speech. But here, we have this God-given right protected by the government, the First Amendment of free speech. And I think that's great. But here's where we get it wrong is that free speech does not mean that you can say whatever you want, whenever you want, to whoever you want without consequences. That's where people get it confused. They, they, they think free speech is a license to say whatever, whenever, to whoever, without any consequences. That's not true. In fact, in today's age, we see that that's not true now more than ever. People are being held accountable for what they say. People get canceled for what they say. And in fact, you can say things 10, 20, 30 years ago, and if it's on recording or on camera or you tweeted it out, People are going to pull that back and hold you accountable to what you said. There's consequences for what you say. Why? Because what you say can have a profound impact. Actually, what we know from the Bible is that words are powerful. Scripture says that words have power. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says the tongue can bring death or life. The tongue, that weird squishy thing in your mouth the Bible says has the power of life or death and it's not this appendage it's how you use it it's the words that come out of your mouth your words have great power great power and like the amazing Uncle Ben once said to young Peter Parker with great power comes great responsibility you are responsible for the power that your words have. Actually, as Christ followers, I would say that it's even more important for us to be mindful about how we talk, what we say, and how we respond to situations verbally. And we've been going through this, this book, this study, uh, through this book of James, and what we see is that it's a profoundly practical book. James isn't filled with parables and abstract thoughts, and it doesn't use songs or a lot of uh, metaphorical uh, imagery. James, he just calls it how it is. And he wanted the, the followers of Jesus to have a faith that had function. He wanted their faith to not just be an idea, but he wanted their faith to be tangible, to be, to be real. He wanted you to be able to see the evidence of faith. He wanted us to have a faith that works and a real, powerful, working faith. And so James is writing this letter, and when he gets to this chapter three, what he does is he recognizes the power that words have. And at the same time, as James is, is recognizing the power that words have, he's also looking to the power that Jesus has. And if Jesus is the one we are following, then our powerful words should be impacted by a powerful God. And here's what James says in, in chapter 1, verse 26. He said this, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your words, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. 
Here's the reality. Here's the reality. We no longer have free speech as Christians. We no longer have free speech as Christians. And I'm not talking about politically. I'm not talking about like, oh, I can't say my views on social media without people being mad at me. I don't have free speech as Christians. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying we no longer have free speech as Christians because our relationship with Jesus should change our relationship with words. We no longer have free speech. We can no longer just say anything whenever, to whoever, however we want to. Our free speech is gone as Christians because our relationship with Jesus should change our relationship with our words. In fact, let me put it another way. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Is a faith that works, works through our vocabulary. A faith that works, works through our vocabulary. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. He said these words, what you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. If what you say is not God-honoring or it's not Christ-like or it's not Jesus-centered, then the truth is, is that Jesus is probably not at the center of your heart. See, James' whole thing is he wants us to move Jesus to the center of everything we do. That's how we have a faith that's functional. A faith that works is by moving Jesus to the middle. Not on the outside, not on display, just so you can show everybody, look, I'm team Jesus. No, no, no. He wants us to place uh, Jesus into a place where he has influence so that he influences what flows through you and he will change even the words you say. A faith that works, works through your vocabulary. A powerful God should impact our powerful words. In fact, James says that if your relationship with Jesus doesn't change how you talk, then your religion is worthless. It's worthless. You might as well throw it out. Why would James say that? Because he knows that without Jesus, powerful words can bring powerful destruction. Without Jesus, powerful words brings powerful destruction. James, in chapter 3 of his letter, he goes into depth on this subject, and this is what he writes. We just read it. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we can control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark, he says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Its whole world of wickedness is corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. See, without Jesus at the center, our words have the ability to destroy lives. CEOs have lost jobs. People have lost marriages. Presidents have started wars with just words. Uh, James calls the tongue a flame of fire. A a little spark can set a forest on fire. Uh, About a year ago, I was preaching on this very subject, and it reminded me 
of a couple who uh, did this gender reveal up in the mountains, and they launched the little fireworks as part of the gender reveal, and it, it started a massive forest fire. Just this little firework. I don't even know what gender the baby was, and I don't think they cared at this point because the fire spread and ended up burning down 23,000 acres of land, five houses, and it killed a firefighter. This couple was charged with 30 crimes because of their negligence. And I don't remember how many they actually uh, were found guilty of at the end, but man, I know that this moment changed this couple's life. Not only their lives, but it, it affected the people that, that, whose lives were changed by the fire. See, just a spark can start a fire. Your words have huge consequences. Your words can be destruction. It can bring destruction to you. It can bring destruction to others. And see, that's what the enemy of our faith wants. He wants us to be reckless with what we say and how we say it. He wants us to hurt others with rumors. He wants us to hurt others through slander, through verbal assault. He enjoys that. Because if your words aren't working for God, your words are working for the enemy. That's the reality. If your words aren't working for God, they're working for the enemy. See, the devil wants us to use words to destroy our lives. But what we see in James is this. A faith that works uses words to direct our lives towards God's blessing. I couldn't shorten this one. It's a very long point. But I couldn't shorten it because I felt like the whole thing was important. A faith that works uses words to direct our lives towards God's blessing. Hang, hang in with me. I want to explain it. Verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are, are strong. See, our words may seem small, but just like a bit, in a big horse's mouth or a tiny rudder on a huge ship, our words have the ability to direct our lives. Your words have the ability to direct your life. I, I was reminded recently about a Henry Ford quote, and he was quoted as saying this, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. Did you ever hear that quote? Many Ford, famous, very famous quote. In, in psychology, they've actually studied this, and it's true. Uh, for years now, researchers have been studying the effects of negative self-talk and positive self-talk. And negative self-talk can have some pretty damaging impacts. The I think I can't mentality has been found to feed anxiety, depression, cause an increase in stress levels while lowering levels of self-esteem. This can lead to decreased motivation as well as greater feelings of helplessness. But positive self-talk, the I think I can mentality, has mental benefits, including increased vitality, greater life satisfaction, improved immune function, reduced pain, better cardiovascular health, better physical well-being, reduced risk for death, less stress and distress. Spiritually speaking, if we say things like, things are never going to change, or I, I will never 
be able to find love or a good relationship or God is not for me or I won't have that life I desire or if we say things like I will never be fulfilled or I will never have peace, then what you're doing is you are speaking death into your life and you're going to reap what you sow. Why? Because words have power and I believe the opposite is true as well. That words can lead you to destruction or they can lead you to blessing. The difference between destruction and blessing is all a matter of one thing, control. It's all about control. Words that bring blessing to your life come from a tongue that is tamed. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. That's what James said. But then James says this, that no one can tame the tongue. <laughs> so James says, here's a, here's a secret. You want to walk in the blessings that God has? You want to direct your life towards God's blessings? You just got to control your tongue. You just got to tame it. They're like, okay, cool. That's great, James. He's like, yeah, but no one can do that. Wow, very helpful. Weren't you just saying that? Like, we should be like, talking positive, like, towards God. But you're saying, like, like, no one can do that. But look, at, look, a better translation to no one can tame the tongue, a better translation is actually no man can tame the tongue. In fact, the NIV, the New International Version, it translated, translated as no human being can tame the tongue. That is a more literal translation. See, words that bring blessing to your life, words that direct your life to God's blessing come from a tongue that is tamed and controlled, not by your power, but by Jesus. See, that's why you have to put Jesus at the center of who you are, because from your heart flows your words. If you want your life to be directed towards God's blessing, you have to line up with Jesus and his words. Let me say it another way. By aligning our words to the truth of God's word and proclaiming them, we send our life in the direction of God's blessing. It's all about lining up our words with God's words. Here's an example. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. If you want to practice using your words to point, point you in the direction of God's blessing, here's what you can say out loud. You can say, thank you, God, that I can delight myself in you. I thank you that you will give me the desires of my heart, because that's what he promises. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And if you want to use your words to direct you to God's blessing, you can say, uh, thank you God that you are taking my burdens and you are giving me rest because that is a promise of God. It's something that he promises you. I will take your burdens and I will give you rest. And so if you want to head towards God's blessing of rest, you need to say it with your words. God, thank you. Here is my burdens. Thank you for your rest. How about this? Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace those who, whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So you can declare, God, I trust in you, and I thank you for the peace that you've already given me. Peace is a promise from God. And see, I can go on 
on and on and on and on because God makes hundreds of promises in the Bible. But the point is, is that God's word is filled with promises that you can take hold of by using your words. Your words are powerful. They have the power of life and death. And you have to study and know the word of God so that our words can line up with his words. This is what Numbers 23, 19 says. It says that God does not lie. That, straight up. It says God does not lie. See, we can trust that when our words align with his, we can expect the outcomes that he promises. See, we can use our words to direct our lives towards God's blessing. Here's the other thing we can learn from this chapter of James is this. A faith that works blesses others with words. A faith that works blesses others with words. If you've been around here long enough, I have a theme to my messages. About 95% of my messages start out with God's word. What does it say? What can we learn from it? How can it apply to our lives? And then how can we use that to love others? Because the two greatest commandments are love God, love others. So it's like I put, just put every message in this bubble. That is literally the structure of all my messages. What does God say to us? How do we benefit from that? And how can we like love others through that? And so a faith that works blesses others with words. And James, he wasn't just concerned with how our words affected ourselves, but with how our words affected others. See, this isn't just my things, but it's, it's James's thing too. See, how you communicate and the, the words you use to communicate should change because as a Christian, as you follow Jesus, your words not only represent you, but they also represent Jesus. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. See, your words are not, they're not only powerful, but they're also a powerful depiction of Jesus. Why? Because when we say we're Jesus followers, what we're saying is we're really an extension of him. So how have your words been representing Jesus? Last week we talked about the example you are by what you do, but what about the example you are by what you say? See, here, here, here's, the, here's the truth. People are going to judge you and your religion and your beliefs by what you say before they ever see what you do. People are going to judge you by what you say before they ever see what you do. So are your words a powerful testimony of the life-changing power of Jesus? Or they cause someone to think that Christians are just fake and nothing about them actually changes? See, what you say to someone else has to line up with what you believe. What you say to others has to line up with what you believe. And here's what we believe about others. Check this out. James chapter 3. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. This is what James says, that the people around you are made in the image of God. So get this. When we praise him, when we praise God and then curse others, we're effectively praising God and then cursing God in the same breath. 
That's what James is saying. People are made in the image of God. So when you hurt someone made in the image of God, you're effectively hurting God. God's creation is an extension of himself. See, God loves the people that you curse just as much as he loves you. The gospel is just as much for you as it is for someone else. God's blessings are as much for you as they are for others. That's why part of loving God is loving others because everyone's created in the image of God. And if that's the case, then that needs to change how you talk to other people. Your words shouldn't just be a blessing for you, but for those around you. Your words shouldn't just point you towards God's blessing, but your words should be able to point others towards God's blessings as well. Here's what words can do if we use them right. I have a few verses. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 12, 18, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 25, 11, timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. Ephesians 4, 29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, instead of Cursing them, hurting them, talking down to them, or talking about, about them behind their back. You need to begin to bless people with your words. Lift people up with encouragement. Bring them healing. Give them sweetness for their soul, as it said in Proverbs. So you have the power through Jesus, through your words, to change people's lives for the better, to point them to Jesus. And actually, your words can be used by God to deliver a blessing. Your words have the power to be used by God to deliver a blessing from God. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. There's been many times in ministry as I've kind of gone through and I, I hit this point, and I know you've probably hit this point in whatever it is that you do, whether it's sport, sports or academics or what, I'm sure you've hit a point where you just think, man, am I, even, and am I even where I'm supposed to be? Like am I even doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I even in the right place? Am I even making a difference? And I hit that point in ministry, and I, I, you don't just hit that once, but there's multiple times you can hit that wall in ministry. I just think, man, am I even making a difference? Am I, am I even making a difference for God's kingdom? Should I even be doing this? Like, pastor, why would I ever want to be a pastor? And it's at that moment, and sometimes it's through a text message, Sometimes it's just through an email or a comment card, but a lot of times it's just face-to-face -face and someone drops by and says like, Jake, you're, I feel like you're exactly where God wants you to be. And I just feel like he's proud of you and just keep doing what you're doing. You're making a difference. And in that moment, I just think, God, how did you know? Like, you just knew what I, 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 I needed to hear. See, a lot of times, God will use you or someone to deliver a blessing just through words. God wants to use you as a person to deliver his blessing. A, a, a big spiritual God wants to use you, a, a, a little physical person on this planet, to deliver a powerful blessing in someone's life simply through words sometimes. And in order to do that, you have to put Jesus at the center and let him work through you. And that's a faith that works. 
It's a faith that uses words to make a difference. That's what God wants for us today. And so we know that it's not all about our words, right? We know that actions have to accompany words, but our words are powerful. And it's my prayer that we would begin to bring powerful blessings to our life and to the people around us through the use of our words by putting just God right at the center of our hearts, right at the center of our focus, that through him these things would flow. Man, that we wouldn't just emptily praise him on a weekend and then just go around just talking trash about everybody around us all the time. But about these things would line up, that how we love God would transfer to how we love others and that we can make a difference just through something so simple and so small as our words. Amen? Let's pray. God, we just thank you that we can be here tonight, God, that we can just go through this book of James, Lord, and it's so practical. And for some of us, this may be things that we, we've already got down, God. We've got it down solid. But Lord, I pray that it would be a, a reminder that we can be intentional this week with how we talk, how we, how we react, uh, Lord, how we just can bless others through our words, Lord. And God, for some of us in this room, man, You've been working on us for a while. God, you've been wanting to change this about us for a while. And Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night that we, we flip that switch. Jesus, that we would put you at the center. God, that our words would reflect who we are in you. God, and the blessing that you can be to us and the blessing that you can be to those around us. And so, Lord, tonight, I just pray that that would sink in deep into our hearts, Lord. And I pray for discussion groups that we'd be able to dive deeper into your word and just really unpack with that, uh, this message in, in your words, in, in, in your, your book of James, how it really should impact and change our lives, Lord. And so I just pray over these discussion questions and I pray over the rest of the night. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you.